You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys here today. As you've heard, we're in a sermon series entitled Bring Back the Mixtape. And last week, I opened up the series. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Essentially, what we're, what we're asking you to go back to as a married couple is to think about those early days, those early emotions, those early experiences where you couldn't wait to see each other, you couldn't wait to talk to each other, you couldn't wait to be with each other. And uh, it was in this era of the, the 70s, the 80s, really, when you were in this relationship, the cool thing to do was to create a playlist of your favorite love songs, put it on a tape, and give it to that special someone. And so we're going back to that feeling, but then we're also realizing that those feelings we're never going to be enough to actually sustain you. Like, because we don't have that same emotion and that same feeling that we had in the beginning of that relationship, it doesn't mean that we married the wrong person. The, the wise marriages realize that they have to constantly create a new mix to refresh their marriage, to stay in love, and to continue to pursue each other in this relationship. And so uh, today, as we, as we kind of shift gears a little bit, I want to talk today to the single folks in the room who actually might be in the mixtape phase. You are essentially single, you're currently dating, or maybe you're single, you're not dating anybody right now, but you are available and you are looking, and I want to speak directly to you today. Um, I want to start with a question. I, I asked some young folks this, this uh, recently, uh, they were all kind of in their 20s, um, uh, mid-30s, and, and, and I asked them, who taught you to date? How did you learn how to date and who taught you how to date? And, and overwhelmingly, um, I heard a majority of them say, well, nobody taught me how to date. My parents didn't. I didn't learn, you know, from anybody specific. I just, you know, picked it up from my friends who were dating and I just kind of did what they did or I just kind of followed their role model. Um, uh, one person said my student ministry, uh, you know, did sermon series on dating. So that was helpful. Uh, overwhelmingly, the married people that I talked to said, Said that they learned how to date from watching Dawson's Creek. And uh, wasn't, if it wasn't that one, it was the Gilmore Girls. And so I don't know which one you learned from. Uh, for me, I would say Seinfeld and Friends had a big part uh, of, of, of my dating experiences, which are terrible, by the way. And um, so we kind of learn from the wrong role models. We don't hear a lot uh, from our parents. And, and so I want to start today just by saying that dating that, as we know it today isn't a biblical concept. Like you're not going to look up in, you know, the Gospel of Matthew and, and hear Jesus talk about here's how you date a woman or how, you know, how you pursue a wife. That's not what we see in the New Testament uh, but it has become a social norm in our culture, so we need to deal with it. Um, what's interesting about dating is the fact that it's only been around for about 50 years. When you think about the history of society and the world, and dating as we know it today has only existed for really about 50 years, and so we're still learning. And every generation, the dating rules change and the dynamics change, and so parents We've been on our toes since the 1950s trying to figure out how to parent our teenagers through this season of life. There's a book called The Labor of Love, The Invention of Dating, and I read an article recently uh, talking about really some helpful things that kind of give us an idea of, of how dating even came into being. Real quickly, in 1896, dating was first introduced, and it was in reference to prostitution, 
So if you were a guy paying for sex, you were said to be on a date. And in that time frame, if you were a woman and you let a guy buy you a drink or, you know, buy your meal, everyone just assumed that you were a prostitute and he was, he was buying this for you for the favors that were going to come later. But if you were actually pursuing for marriage in the early 1900s, you were calling on a young woman. And so a young man, if he was interested in a young girl, he would call the father, he would talk to the father, and he would call on her. That was the terminology. And so calling on a woman essentially meant you were going over to her house, you were going to meet the parents, you were going to have dinner together, you were going to interact together, and any time you wanted to be with her, you had to go to her house where mom and dad kept a close watch on you and they were involved in the relationship. The term courtship was also becoming kind of a popular idea because the idea at that point is that we were calling on you, we are courting each other for the purpose of marriage, and so with mom and dad, we are pursuing this together. Now, in the 1920s and 30s, the Industrial Revolution exploded in America and changed the game. Big cities, big factories were being established, and, and as a result, women, women began to work in them. Single women began to work in, in them. Single men were working in them and living in these large cities as well. And for the first time in American history, you had single men, single women being together outside of the home, outside of where mom and dad were able to watch and be a part of the relationship. The 1920s also brought the invention of restaurants and bars. And so now all of a sudden, singles had an opportunity to hang out and gather in places outside of the home where mom and dad were at. Then you jump into the 40s and the 50s and, and the terminology going steady was invented. And so that just simply meant that you had found somebody that you wanted to be exclusive with. And so um, with the invention of cars at this time, it created a level of freedom for young people. And so you were picking people up. You didn't have to stay at home. You didn't have to be around mom and dad. You could isolate yourself. You could drive far away now. Yeah, there were, you know, there were movie theaters at this time. There were, you know, skating rinks being developed. There were many restaurants and there were, you know, a lot of things, entertainment that you could go to. And, and now you didn't have to be at home like in the early 1900s. Now you could just be out. And um, it changed the game. Not to mention, this was the first time in the history of America where people actually had extra money to like spend on entertainment. So it was, it was a, a very transitional, changing culture at this time. The invention of rock and roll was happening. Um, if you were a parent of a teenager in the 1950s, you didn't know what to do. Because you grew up, you didn't have cars, you didn't have extra money to spend on stuff like this, and you didn't have entertainment. Uh, so, so they were really kind of, you know, outmatched. They didn't know what was going on. You know, fast forward into the 60s and, and uh, even into the 70s, you have free love happening, and uh, you, you begin to see this quintessential date night where the guy invites the girl to go out, he goes to her house, picks her up, takes her to, you know, dinner, buys the dinner, um, and then maybe to a movie, he pays for it, and then drops her off, and so that essentially becomes, you know, a, a, a date, and then maybe if we want to be exclusive, we're we're, maybe we're using the term going steady, or maybe we're, we're going with each other, or we're dating, or whatever the terminology, you know, was used at that time. 
But man, you fast forward into the early 2000s and the game has changed. Like at this time where our young people are are living, we are living in a hookup culture. And the hookup culture is a version of dating that does not require exclusivity. It doesn't require, I want to be with you and you be my girlfriend, you be my boyfriend, and then we're going to hang out together. It's not like that anymore. With the advent of social media and cell phones, the communication and the lines and the photos and the videos that are being shared is, is the wild, wild west. And now I don't have to actually commit even to a dating relationship. If I think you're, you're good looking, you think I'm good looking, let's chill and watch Netflix, which essentially means we're going to have sex while Netflix is playing. And, and that's the culture that our young people are growing up in. And, and it's quite scary if you are a parent. And if you've got younger kids, the game is going to even change even more for you. So by the time we figure out how we messed up, there's going to be a whole new level of, you know, mistakes you're going to make. And so we're constantly trying to keep up. So the question then is, how should Christians date? We love Jesus. You, the Apostle Paul says, if your sexual desires burn within you, then get married. Right? There's, a, there's a gift of singleness. We talked about it last week. But if, if that desire and, and that passion is there, pursue a woman, get married, and experience sex in the confines of a marriage covenant. Right? So that's a biblical concept. Nothing wrong with that. But as a follower of Jesus, living in this culture, how are we supposed to date and do it well and do it in a way that brings glory to God? I want to talk about that this morning. If you're single today, I specifically want to challenge you to make three commitments. Uh, three, make three commitments today as you pursue a relationship. And if you're a parent, I hope this is helpful uh, as well. I want to start in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 29, verse 6, which says this, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. A couple of things we learn from a, a verse like this. And the first thing is the instruction is that young men should go find a wife, pursue a wife, and marry her, and have babies. That's what multiplication is, is talking about here. So this is a right and good and godly thing to pursue a woman, guys, and have babies with her when you're married. Um, what this also tells us is that mom and dad are actually involved in the process. They are giving their daughters in marriage. And so there is a level of blessing. There is a level of cooperation with mom and dad in this courtship, in this dating phase. And so when you think about a wedding, you see a, a husband as he brings his bride down the aisle, the, the minister will say, who gives this woman to be with this man? And the father says, her mother and I, insinuating that her mother and I are blessing this relationship. We are good with this. We have vetted this, you know, young man. We're going to bless this relationship, and we are giving her away. Then the leaving and cleaving after the ceremony begins to take place. And so the heart of a parent 
is that they love their kids. We want to be there with them as they walk through these difficult challenges. And we don't want to control the situation, but we want to be present in that environment to guide, direct, and lead them as they discover, is this person the person that I want to give the rest of my life to? So then the question then becomes, when should I let my kids begin this process? I get this a lot. When should this happen? At what age? And I would just simply say it is not an age, it's a level of maturity. It's a level of emotional and spiritual maturity that you see in your kids. So, so that might mean 17, it might mean 16 for you, it might be older for you, I don't know your kids, but I definitely would not encourage you to encourage them to pursue relationships before they're 16. No, let's not forget that our brains aren't fully developed until the age of 25. <laughs> so we're not clicking on all cylinders here. <laughs> And so parents need to guide and lead and direct in this time. And, 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 and I would say it's not an age. It's, in fact, a level of maturity. In my house, we just kind of set the stage and we just said, look, you're not even going to consider it. It's not going to happen until, you know, a time in your life where we feel like you are emotionally and spiritually mature enough. That might be 16. And even at that time, we're going to walk with you through this process. So... Uh, I think the Song of Solomon has so much wisdom uh, to teach us as it relates to relationships and and marriage. And this verse right here just really kind of sums it up. In chapter 2, verse 7, Solomon says, Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases or until it's time. That's essentially what he means. That's such an important statement that it's written in the book three different times, in chapter 2, in chapter 3, and in chapter 8. So I think it's a, it's a point worth making here today as we, uh, you know, dive into this a little bit, that there is a level at which we can awaken or stir up love and passion, sexual desire in our heart before it's time, before we are ready. Now think about this, parents. You can actually stir this up in your kids. You know, I think it's, you know, when you see parents and think it's cute when their kindergartner or first grader is holding hands with somebody at school or kissing them on the cheek, and they're like, it's so cute, you know. And the kid hears that, and in his little, you know, brain neurons, as his, you know, maturity is starting to form, he's seeing mom get so excited when I kiss a girl, when I hold a girl's hand. So what is, what is that teaching him at a very young level? Stirring up and awaking love way before it's ready. Singles, I mean, you can, you can actually stir up and awaken love within you before it's time, before you're ready. I mean, pornography does this. Pornography will awaken that sexual desire in you, and if you are single, you are not ready. What music do we listen to? Obviously, a lot of the music today is talking about getting drunk and having sex and being with multiple people. I mean, if that's what we are allowing ourselves to listen to and sing about, we are awakening love before we're ready. Movies, TV that we're watching, obviously these things impact uh, how we view sexuality and, and uh, what is okay and what is, what is not okay. And, and I get it, single people, like your parents may not care what you're watching or listening. They may not know, you may be hiding a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, I don't care how old you are, if you love and serve and worship Jesus, then as a follower of him, you've got to protect yourself. At some level, you've got to begin to take ownership for your faith. And you've got to begin to set up even boundaries in your own life if your parents 
aren't even involved. We've all heard of bad parents and experiences and We've heard of the parent who will throw a party at their house and invite all of their teenagers' friends and buy the alcohol for them. And I hear that, and I'm thinking, what in the world are we doing? And the mindset of these parents is that, well, let's just have a party, and I'll give them the alcohol. They're going to do it anyway. They might as well come over to our house and be safe while they do it. It's insanity. Wives, that would be like you saying, well, my husband struggles with lust. I might as well just schedule the prostitute to come over this afternoon, have sex in our bedroom. I'd rather it be here than some cheap hotel. I mean, are we insane? This is insanity. 100% of the time, parents, if you are enabling your kids to sin, they will. And I think as parents, we have to set healthier boundaries and hold them to a higher standard as we follow Jesus, serve Jesus, and want to bring glory and honor to him. So regardless of how your parents are parenting you right now, having bad parents, single people, is not an excuse. Regardless of how your parents parented you, every single person in the room needs to make the following three commitments. And so here we go, if you're taking notes. Number one, be intentional when you date. Be intentional. Don't just go out with anybody uh, anytime just because they're hot. I hear this all the time. She's hot. Why not? Hell's hot. <laughs> you want to go there? That is not our criteria. Obviously, we want to have, you know, some sexual attraction there. We want to think that he or she is good looking, but that's not the only standard. Be intentional. The goal of relationships, the goal of romantic relationships is marriage. And so if you are walking into a marriage and you are not thinking in, in, in ways that, okay, is this person someone that I would marry? Like, is this someone that I can see myself with? If you're not walking through that and you're just like, I just want to hook up. I just want to, you know, she's really good looking, and I just want to, you know, we, I just want to get with her this weekend. If that's your mentality, you're dishonoring God. The purpose is marriage. And so I wouldn't say, like, you want to get gung-ho and serious about this singles. I wouldn't go on the second date and be like, well, I think we need to start planning our marriage because you're the one. <laughs> it's going to freak her out. It's not a good idea, Right? But I do think we need to be intentional. So what does that mean? A few points I would make. Being intentional means that you're going to date a follower of Jesus, period. You're going to make that commitment today, and anyone who's not a follower of Jesus is just off the table from this point on. Date a follower of Jesus. In the Old Testament, God told over and over again to the Israelite people not to intermarry with the other tribes, the Canaanites and, and all the other tribes that were surrounding them. Why? Well, he did that because they were worshiping and serving false gods. And so God, in his wisdom, knew that if a man married a woman that worshiped and served another god, he would be um, torn, he would would be tempted, and then his children would be torn and tempted on who to worship. You know, young people don't think about this. Singles don't think through this a lot of times. They just think, I like this person, I want to be with this person. We don't really talk about our faith, but listen to me. If you don't have this worked out, you are going to set yourself up for so much heartache and so much trouble. 
You say, what's the big deal? Uh, he doesn't even have faith, or, you know, he's, he's sincere about his faith. Well, listen, when you start having kids, who are your kids going to worship? His God or your God? You're just going to let a five-year-old determine? I hear people say that. I'm just going to let our kids determine who they're going to worship. Oh, yeah, five-year-old really understands, you know, the ways of God and what direction to go for themselves. No, we're responsible. We're called to lead them. How are you going to use your money? Is his God going to direct that? Is your God going to direct that? Where are you going to live? Where are you going to work? Your God, his God. I can't tell you how many people are struggling today in marriage because they married someone with a different faith background, with someone who does not serve Jesus. And so as we think about this, we want to understand first and foremost, we only date those who are followers of Jesus. Now, how do we know if this person is a follower of Jesus? Good question. Well, I can tell you, ladies, a little secret here. I'm going to let you behind the, the curtain of, of, of manhood and guyhood. We often lie. Not like, like huge. Well, you know, sometimes it's not. I mean, like, are you a Christian? Well, yeah. Yeah. You're a Christian? Oh, boy, I am too. Right? You meet her parents? Oh, Love Jesus, absolutely. Grandma loved Jesus, had a great second uncle cousin who was married to a pastor. I am in, right? This is how guys think. And so here's the, here's the reality. Who and what does he talk about? It's, there's an easy way. Ladies, this is an easy way to know if this guy really is a follower of Jesus. Does he talk about Jesus? Does he ever talk about Jesus? Uh, this coming Saturday is a big Saturday for this area, right? Um, UT plays, and I can guarantee if you are a UT football fan, at some point during the week, you are going to talk about UT football. Now, if you're not a UT fan, not, nothing wrong with that, but if you're not a UT fan, you're probably not going to talk about Tennessee football this week. There's nothing wrong with that, but it just shows that you're not a fan. Because if you're a fan, you're going to talk about it at some point this week. The same is true with our faith. If you aren't talking about Jesus, if he is not talking about Jesus, then it's a pretty good sign that he doesn't know Jesus. And so at that level, it would be pump the brakes and hold off. I don't care what the guy is saying. Listen to him talk. Then let's look at, is he serving in his church? Is he in relationships with other guys in the church? Is he attending church? I mean, are we, are we forcing him? I mean, it's... If you would take off the blinders of the mixtape emotions, you could see some of these red flags. Being intentional means that we want to only date a follower of Jesus. Letter B, we want to involve mom and dad. Listen, if you don't want your parents to meet this guy, that's a red flag right there, <laughs> right? And so mom and dad, we want them involved. Now, specifically, I'm talking to those who are younger in the room. Obviously, if you are, you know, out of college and, and you know, you're in your 30s and 40s, you're single, um, I, or, or, that's a different level. You don't need their permission to get married. However, I would say that you should seek, if you have mom and dad alive and, and spiritually they've been leaders in your life, you should seek their blessing. Moms have a way of knowing and if she's, mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm just telling you, you better listen. 
You know, as much as you might want to be with this person, just listen and pump the brakes to what the spiritual leaders in your life are encouraging you and and teaching and telling you to do. Now listen, if you're a dad, here's something that I would encourage you to do. As if you're going to be involved like this, uh, your, your uh, daughter wants to date a guy, this guy wants to, you know, date your daughter, then I would encourage you to have a meeting with them before they go out. And in that meeting, you ask them about his faith. Tell me about how you met Jesus. Uh, tell me about where you go to church. Tell me about your parents and that whole family situation. Tell me about how you're serving. Tell me about what you're going to do when you get out of school. Tell me about what, you know, what, what's your purpose and what, what, are you, what are you thinking about doing with your life? This is a good conversation. If, if boxes aren't being checked, then it's a, hey, honey, I just got to tell you, I'm not going to give my blessing at this point. This guy needs to grow a little bit. And uh, I know there's a lot of daughters in the room that want to do what we call missionary dating. Like, I'm just going to date him and lead him to Jesus. Yeah, in the meantime, he's going to create so much baggage in your life that it's going to impact your future marriage. So pump the brakes on that and, and recognize that if, if boxes aren't being checked, then let's, let's take our time here. But, but that shows this young man that, hey, we're going to be involved. I'm here. I'm guiding. I'm guarding. And at the, on the other side of the spectrum is like, as a dad, I want to invest everything that I can into this young man. Because if he does end up being the one, I want to teach and to show him everything I know on how to honor and serve a wife because he's going to be taking care of the most precious gift outside of my salvation that God has ever given to me. Those little girls are my heart. So if they don't end up being together, then the investment is not for nothing because hopefully he takes that investment and what I've <clears throat> been able to share and help him with to his future relationships. And so as moms and dads, we've got to engage. If you have a son, he wants to date a, a, a girl, moms, spend time with this young woman, ask questions, develop that friendship. And then when it comes time to, okay, we're going to move, they want to move forward. What does that look like? Well, that just simply means, okay, now we're going to spend together. Uh, we're going to spend time together. You come over to our house. We'll eat dinner. You be together there. Uh, you can be together as long as you are in groups. And so those are boundaries that help focus our kids and give them some direction. If the guy doesn't want to come over to my house and be around me to be around my daughter, red flag, right? If you don't want to hang, that's no, no problem. You're just not going to be with her, right? Be involved, mom and dad. Let her see. Does this person have the qualities that I value? Well, first of all, what are those qualities? Not just looking good. What are those qualities that, that, that you're looking for? You want to you begin to identify those. And, and so as you take steps into this relationship, uh, as far as you can tell, is this the kind of person that I, I, I could see myself with? I'm not thinking about just sex this weekend. I'm thinking about, is this somebody that I will serve and honor and I could see myself being with? Huge. The second commitment that we need to make today is this. Start with friendship, all right? You've, you've made the commitment to be intentional. Now we're going to, okay, we're going to take the next step. Here's what we want to do. We want to start with friendships because when you start being friends, it can lead to a future. But if you're not able to be in a friendship, there really is no future, and so being a friend means that, okay, I want to be with you more. So you're thinking about more time together. 
And so as I'm thinking about wanting to be with this person, let me just encourage the single folks who are dating today, don't just spend every moment with this person that you're dating. And don't just neglect and quit spending time with all the other friends that are in your life. You need the community of this church around you as you're dating for accountability and also to help encourage and and move you in the direction of the Lord. And so I see so often people dial in on a relationship and just cut all ties with their friendships. They stop going to small group. They stop being involved in the church because they have to be with this person, uh, you know, every second they're not working. And that's just not healthy. We have to understand that we have to continue to live life and bring this person who we're, we're in a relationship with into our world. We don't just exit our world. We bring them into our world and our family and our friends. And listen, the best way to stay focused on a friendship is to date in groups. Because when you get isolated and it's one-on-one, you start thinking about body parts and not so much friendships. Am I, are you with me? Hello? And, and, and so when I'm with a group, now I can stay focused on building a friendship with this person. And, and when they're over at, at your house, mom and dad, they're able to focus on friendship and, and they're able to, 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 to begin to, yes, laugh together, enjoy each other, and, and truly get to know one another. In a dating relationship, there comes a time when you want to start touching. And so there's some, some, some temptation there to start, start touching, patting, rubbing, whatever you want to call it. All of a sudden, your lustful emotions take over and the relationship begins to go somewhere that God doesn't intend it to go. And so one guideline I, was, I would say is in those moments, stay vertical. Up and down, right? Anytime feet are off the ground and you're horizontal, not good things can, can be a temptation, right? So stay vertical. And... Uh, As we think through this, we also want to think through talking about the commitments that we hold dear. So at the beginning of the relationship, single folks, at the very beginning, say, listen, here's here's my standard. I want to remain sexually pure until I'm married. And, And talk about that and set that stage in the very beginning. If they're not cool with that, if that's not their their purpose and their desire, then that's an easy win for you. Then then we're not ready. We're not emotionally and spiritually ready to be involved in a relationship. Most teenagers, college students today, they're not intentional. They just want to hook up. They just want to be self-motivated. It's all about the, the, the physical aspects of the relationship. And then they become emotionally dependent upon each other, sexually dependent on each other. And that's when these breakups happen. There's just a huge explosion of emotions, right? They take all that baggage into the next relationship have four or five of those experiences and then get married. And oh my gosh, you are in for a long haul, man. You do not want to go that road. You want to honor and serve your spouse if you are single today. Honor her, guys. Honor him, ladies, by living a life of purity today. But most importantly, we don't just do that to honor them. We do it because violating that is a sin against God. Here's what scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? 
So he says, flee. In other words, run from sexual immorality. Every other sin you're committing outside your, yourself. But sexual immorality is a sin that you actually commit, yeah, with somebody else, but it's actually against your own body, which has physical implications, emotional implications, spiritual, most definitely, implications. And he says, look, don't you know that the Holy Spirit of God is living within you? You're not your own, the verse continues. You were bought with a price. So honor that gift that is within you and honor your future spouse by maintaining purity today. God's not trying to keep us from having fun today. God is, in fact, trying to help you have fun with your future wife. Sexual activity is clear outside of marriage. It is a sin. Some of you in the room today, I know this is, is, has to be based on statistics, but some of you are not married and you are living with your girlfriend or boyfriend and sexual immorality is a part of your relationship. I just want to encourage you today, if you want to honor God, if you want to honor the person that you are in a relationship with today, do it God's way. Do it the right way. And if we're dating and we're experiencing sex inside this marriage, you are essentially a part of what we would call a consumer relationship. And a consumer relationship is built upon what the other person is willing to give to me. And as we think about that, it becomes this everyday like job to try to convince this person that you have value, to try to impress this person and entice this person to stay with you. And it's a consumer relationship. It is not real and true love. You've got to prove that there's chemistry. You've got to prove that the relationship is great on a daily basis because if you don't, the person might leave it's too stressful. It's not God's way. And I would encourage you to submit to the Lord's way today and do it the right way. Honor him. And that leads us into our third commitment. Our third commitment, if we're going to experience, experience a healthy dating relationship in marriage, is to glorify God in your romantic relationships. This is a commitment you make before you enter that relationship. I am committed to glorify God in this relationship. And this other person is making this same commitment so that together we're, we're actually working for each other and not against each other. Here's what the gospel of Mark says. You've heard this, Mark 12, 30. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so this applies to the single folks in the room in a dating relationship. You should honor God, serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength in these dating environments. You will not truly love anyone else if you do not love God first and most. You have to understand what his love is all about. When you truly love him, then you're able to understand love and then you are able to love someone else. But if you do not love Jesus, if you are not pursuing him, then I'm sorry, you just do not understand what it looks like to truly love another person. A lot of us just want to keep God close enough to save us, but far enough away to let us do whatever we want to do. And for so many Southerners, cultural Christianity is the norm. And people just think, well, I prayed a prayer, I'm going to heaven 
and they don't look at their lifestyle. They don't look at their heart. They're not living a lifestyle that would, that would show a heart that is committed to loving and serving with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our heart, with all of our mind. We want to understand that this is the life that Christ is calling us to live. So, as we make this commitment, a few points I would make. We're glorifying God. This means, letter A, don't wait until you get married to get serious about Jesus. I can't tell you how many young people I've heard this for, from. Like, oh, I'm young. I just want to go, you know, have a good time and have some good experiences. And by that, they mean sleep with a lot of people and, and do excessive amounts of alcohol and drugs and just live it up. Listen, don't wait until you get married to get serious about Jesus because there's no promise that you're going to get married and there's no promise that when you do get married that you're going to get serious about him. This is living in disobedience. And we don't want to, we, we don't want to, live in disobedience as single people and think when I'm married that all of a sudden something magical is going to transformatively happen and now all of a sudden I'm going to live for Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. You need to commit today to serve him because before your heart can enjoy a spouse, your heart must belong to Jesus. You can't enjoy your spouse until you belong to Jesus because you're constantly trying to fill your heart with what your spouse is going to give to you or with what a relationship is going to give to you. And so you're trying to fill that void in your life. But the only person that can fill that void is Jesus. If you're pursuing love, happiness, and significance in another person, listen, instead of Jesus, all of your single years are going to be spent with disappointment and discontentment because you're grasping, I got to get married, I got to have this relationship, and you're always thinking about it. And, and, and you're always discontented with your life and you're jealous because your friends are married and, and why can't I have a spouse and why don't I this? And, and you get all stirred up emotionally, physically stressing yourself out. Why? Because you're grasping for something that is only found in Jesus. Listen, you gotta let it go. God will bring perhaps someone into your life, but most importantly for you, you've got to pursue Jesus today. Marriage does not complete you, despite what Jerry Maguire told us. It was a lie. It doesn't complete you. It's a helpful thing. It's a good thing. It's an enjoyable thing. You've got kids, a family. That's wonderful. If that's what God puts on your heart, pursue it. But don't for a second feel like you're less of a person because you're not married. Don't for a second think that God doesn't have a plan and purpose for you today because you're not married. Here's what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 6, blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. You hunger and thirst for righteousness? He says, I'm gonna fill you. Jesus doesn't want you to live on empty. He wants you to be filled. He wants to fill you today. He wants to give you happiness today, not when you're in a relationship. He doesn't want you to wait until that day. He wants you to experience it now. Here's what Psalm 11, uh, 1611 says, in your presence, in the presence of God, is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't desire that? He doesn't say, in the presence of your spouse is fullness of joy. <laughs> There's a lot of husbands in the room that would, would, would say, that ain't true, right? But God says, in my presence, there is fullness of joy. 
At my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. He offers that to you today. Here's another thing I would say if we're gonna glorify God. Letter B is to take advantage of your freedom and, be, and do bold things for Jesus. Those of you who are single, you don't have kids, you know, you've got a job, maybe you're in college, like do bold things for Jesus now while you have time, while there's maybe perhaps some, some, some less responsibilities and requirements on you. Do bold things. Go to Africa and serve for three months, for six months. Go on multiple mission trips. Go to China and teach English as a second language for a season. Do bold things for Jesus. Lead a small group. Mentor high school students. Pour into other people. Use that time wisely and do bold things for Jesus. When I was in college, the most life-transforming thing that, that God ever did in my life was on, on a three-week mission trip to South Africa. God revolutionized and changed my heart and my life on that trip. I came back, and I was not the same person. A couple of years later, I ran into what would be my wife, Micah. Had I not been on that trip and experienced that spiritual growth, I would have not prepared myself. I would have not been spiritually mature enough, emotionally mature enough to be able to even pursue her. You know what I mean? I mean, listen, she, listen, I was sexy and good looking, but listen, she, she, she was looking for more than that. She was looking for more than that, and she wanted me. She wanted a guy that loved Jesus, and she wanted a guy who could lead her, and had I not taken that bold step, I would not have experienced that with her. Here's the next thing I would say. Marriage will not unlock God's purpose for your life. Let that sink in today, single folks. Marriage will not unlock God's purpose for your life. So many people have this idea that when I get married, then I'll be happy. Then I'll know what God wants me to do. Then I'll be able to be a parent. Then I'll be able to, then I'll be able to, then I'll be able to. And that's exactly the opposite of what Scripture teaches us. As a follower of Jesus, you already have access to your purpose. God has already redeemed you. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Whether you're single or married, this is true if you're a follower of Jesus. He has prepared in advance a work for you to do. He has prepared in advance a, a mission and a purpose for you to be involved in, for you to connect to. Single folks, find out what that is now. And as you begin to develop into the person who understands their calling, who understands their purpose, then perhaps you'll be ready and you'll be able to notice maybe the person that God has brought into your world. God has prepared this in advance for you to experience this. Remember, Paul says it's better to be single. Don't buy into the lie that something is missing in your life if you're not in a relationship. The greatest treasure, the greatest relationship you will ever develop is with Jesus and doing what he has called you to do. So the focus isn't about finding someone. Just let that go. The focus isn't about finding someone, it's about becoming someone. And so I would encourage you to stop focusing so much on finding someone and start becoming someone. Someone that God is calling you to be. 
where there is fullness of joy in his presence and in his love. God might bring that right person. You might be in that right environment now, but maybe the intentionality just isn't quite there. My challenge is for those, first of all, who might be in an unhealthy dating relationship. If that unhealthy relationship is there, I would encourage you today to shift gears, make a change, have the conversation, talk about these three commitments, make that commitment to the Lord first, make that commitment to each other, have a conversation today. If you're not dating, uh, but maybe you're consumed with finding someone, let it go, release it, just release it. God's not punishing you because you're single. God is more interested in you becoming that, that person, that, that special person that he has already created in you. You've got to walk in that, live in that. And finally, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, maybe where appropriate, are, are you able to invest into someone into your life to, to maybe help in that relationship? Maybe you can have these conversations, point them to some truth and, and build relationships with people that that want to be in relationship with your loved ones. No matter where you're at today, I want us to take a moment just to quietly reflect and and have uh, some prayer time with the Lord. Let's, Let's bow our heads. Father, Lord, I know in the room there's, there are probably some unhealthy relationships and Lord, I pray that today they wouldn't walk out of here in a spirit of anger and fight with each other, but that they would be able to have the emotional maturity to have a conversation about this. Like, what, what does this look like? And I just, just in the quietness of this room, Lord, would you speak to hearts? Help us to be humble enough to, to ask you this question. Just say, God, where, where are we missing this? What are you calling us to do? Pray you'd give us a desire to want to live a godly life and honor you in our dating relationships. There are probably some guys in the room that haven't given their life to Jesus. Lord, I pray that today you'd save them. Father, I pray for the parents in the room as they raise their kids. God, give us strength to have these sometimes awkward conversations, but, but Lord, the more we talk about them and the more freedom there is, and God, just help us to set that standard well. Help us to parent well, guide well. Speak to us as we sing, Lord. Help us to just feel your presence. Help us to experience you in this moment. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.